Welcome to The Entrepreneur's Journey, where Michael Pelosi leads discussions with successful entrepreneurs to learn about their journey of starting, building, and eventually selling their business or transitioning into the next generation. The goal is to allow you to learn from their knowledge, experience, and wisdom as you pursue that in your own business. Michael Pelosi is the president of HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, and brings over 30 years of experience working with business owners to organize and manage their business and personal financial plans to help them define and realize their personal version of success in their lives and businesses. Welcome to another edition to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast, where I interview entrepreneurs who were either part of a successful family business transition or have successfully sold their business to another company. My guest today is Ed Hutchison. Ed was a second generation business owner of Hutchison Services. Hutchison Services was started from Ed's father and uncle from a conversation back in the post-war era. What's unique about Ed's personal story is that in addition to being part of a successful transfer of a family business, Ed has successfully sold his company not once, but twice to an outside investor. Welcome, Ed, to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Thanks, Mike. I'm really, really glad to be here. My family and friends will will chuckle. (laughs) As they know, I've never met a Mike I didn't like. (laughs) And I have to say that both ways. Yeah, we had a a great run from being a mechanical, plumbing, heating, cooling, energy services, and building business. So, you know, it's been an interesting little run here since we sold again. Yeah, Hutchison is actually a household name, at least from my perspective. You know, anytime someone talks about, you know, who to use for HVAC, who can you recommend? Hutchison always comes to mind. And there's, you know, you always had your smiley face on a lot of the billboards at one point. That was a great marketing campaign you guys ran through for a while. I was like, actually, I never used my face. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I always thought I saw you up on there. I always like to start out something personal, maybe, you know, so the audience gets to see, you know, the other side of maybe Ed is is some story about golfing or something personal. Can you share something like that? Well, it's, you know, I think personal is one little piece of that. And I, and I do have my vices and virtues that I, that I love. <laughs> the, uh, you know, we were truly a, a family organization. And with that, you know, I grew up in a household of five boys and one girl. And my uncle had five girls, one boy. So mm. it was an interesting dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> so when we, were, when we were first starting out in business, you know, things, things would get a, a little chaotic. But we always made good fun of it. And I think that's part of our success has always been making good fun of it. But we've, we've gotten ourselves, my brothers and I and cousins have gotten ourselves into all kinds of trouble. And somehow, some way, we got ourselves out. And in, in the early days, you know, when you think back, I think back to you, you said anything kind of humorous. But when I think back about those early days when we used to work in the shop, you got to remember, we were a product of the 70s. Right. You know, so if you just do a little bit, there was not a lot of drinking going on, but there's a lot of other illicit uh, things going on back <laughs> in the 70s. So owning a plumbing business, you were in a pretty unique spot where, you know, your father and uncle and the rest of the people that worked there would come and they'd, they would be missing all kinds of, you know, aerator screens out of the faucets. And, you know, when you're in a plumbing company, you can make all kinds of, you know, fine <laughs> things for your little cannabis issues. So it was always funny. So you, you talk about what happened back there in those days. But we got in plenty of trouble, but we got out of a lot of trouble and we made a success of it. <laughs> yeah, speaking of cannabis, that is a uh, hot topic today in New Jersey, right? Yeah. It is now legal, is. so... I think the plumbing industry, the next generation is going to have a little more fun. There you go. <laughs> you mean it wasn't legal back then? 
Uh, uh, I, yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's all good. Talking to a lot of family-owned businesses, you, you hear the, the trouble that the, the children got into, and then the stories come out later on. It's, it's always good to hear. That's great. Let's start in the beginning, you know, how dad and uncle started the business. And you guys have a nice run for probably close to over seven years from that point, right? 70 plus, yeah. 70 plus years. Let's hear a little bit of how the business started. From- it's actually a pretty good story. You know, there was many, yeah, the greatest generation, they call it, coming out of post-World War II. My father and uncle both served in the Navy, and along with my grandfather, they decided to start a little plumbing business with, you know, it's always debatable whether it's 56 or $65 in, in a shoebox. <laughs> but literally, that's that's where it all started. And it started, you know, in Haddonfield. Haddonfield was, you know, basically most business back then was a village business. Most of the people that did business of any level did it with townspeople. So when we were back there in Haddonfield and we came into the business, I would call us a village business. But they grew it to a very, very nice size to, you know, maybe 10, 12 people, which is pretty, pretty extreme. Good sized business when you think for about that. Sure, for back absolutely. Then. They worked virtually in that greater area, and along, I think, probably the first significant piece that really grew the business over and above that is when Delaware Township became Cherry Hill. Okay. And back in the 60s, and, the, and they, they put the mall in. And I think from the growth standpoint, we watched the business flourish because of Cherry Hill. Which was distance, you know, you left town. I remember when I, when I was young and just working in the field, and we actually had to go to Morristown, you know, for to work for a day. You'd be like, are we staying overnight? You know, I've been going on with the Morristown. Amazing. But uh, it was able to sure. gr- really, really grow the business. The next big step was probably in the early 70s when we were always doing plumbing and heating. But the advent of air conditioning as a regular staple wow. in business became a huge economic driver for, for our organization. So with that, with the air conditioning, is that something where most of the houses did not have central air? And, and, and then you basically, every house was almost a new client, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They had any new house, particularly. You know, I, I didn't grow up with air conditioning. Sure. It's hard to believe, but. You know. Right. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's great. So we were talking early on, you had made some significant changes to your business model that changed the direction and the growth of your company. You know, you took it from, you know, where your dad and uncle was, even though they were very prosperous and growing well, seemed like you and your brothers and cousins took it to the next generation. What were some of those business model changes that you had put together in the future? You know, it's an economic lesson, if you will, here, Mike. This is what we do, right? When you think about a family that has that many kids right just sheer economics means you have to grow and and as you get lots of, lots of family but it was kind of inbred in us to do that so when we came into the business you know post college and things was in the mid early mid 70s and th- along those lines and a little past that we saw opportunity we were had a pretty aggressive group we had you know a few rules in the family and one of the probably the biggest ones between my father and my uncle is you can't use the word can't so we were always, always, always raised that that was not an option. You can do anything. And maybe we took a little too seriously, you know, so, but it was, but it also was a great driver for us. So we were able to take a look at what the market was growing geographically, just like I said, Cherry Hill to Morristown and that area was pretty good. But then we grew into doing some more public work. So the only way to springboard ourselves from our little business doing mostly residential and, and surrounding commercial was to do bigger and bigger jobs. So we saw our peers doing things like that or became our peers. 
So we grew the business through the public markets, through how we can bid a job there, and we bid many jobs, and my father and my uncle gave us lots of latitude, and we got ourselves in lots of pickles, mm-hmm. which they would come and save us and get us out of the pickle. Right. But one of the things we learned in this market was we found out that working for the federal government was a lot better than working for local governments. Okay. So we were started in Fort Dix, McGuire, Philadelphia Navy Yard, and all the surrounding areas, and it really, really enabled us to blossom. It also enabled us to learn how to run a business and how to be a little more self-sufficient. But the federal government, when you didn't work for the federal government, you were the prime and only contractor. You didn't have to rely on other contractors around you. But it also made you go from just being a plumbing or heating or an air conditioning contractor to a carpentry contractor, an electric contractor, a painting contractor. So we became bona fide prime contractors based on those contracts. And that all flourished. In the meantime, our plumbing, heating, air conditioning business regionally and you know residentially and like commercially was flourishing at the same time. Wow. So at the peak during this time where you guys were growth, your growth stage, how many total family members were in the business at that time between your brothers and cousins? Well, as... As everybody got out of school and things, they all came. And basically, at the, the highlight, at the peak, we had was five boys and a cousin okay. from that side of the family. Everybody took on different roles by osmosis or people obviously have different talents. Sure. You know, I mean, some of them are very process-driven. So my older brother, Bill, is a fantastic engineer. And everybody went different directions. We also had my youngest brother was involved with computers and computers are new mm-hmm. right so all of a sudden so he was the he was the the geek uh, if you will <laughs> thank god we had <laughs> another mother cousin was in the finance piece of the thing you know i was more the rainmaker yep. piece of the business yeah yeah that's unique that with so many family members you'll you have your special skills in there you know usually you'll hire out and bring other mm-hmm. skill sets in there and it seemed like it just worked out perfectly for you guys right well we weren't that smart no yeah. <laughs> it just happened that way, right? <laughs> it's good genes it sounds that way yeah we're very fortunate i mean you're right having a big family like that it doesn't always work yeah it doesn't always work but we we're fortunate we had a we had a few ground rules everybody worked hard yeah, it, it seemed that way. It seemed that way. There was one point in our previous conversations that you had a conversation with a gentleman. I think it may have been in a bar or something like that. Where you kind of, yeah, that's kind of unique for you, but that's, yeah. that happens once in a while. Where you had this aha moment where I think it was a different vision or different area. So oh, if someone else could do this, I could kind of grow the business the same way. What happened there? We were flourishing in that federal market. And like I said, everybody worked hard to drive this business. We we're always, you know, Always sales-driven, always to grow, grow, grow. But you're always looking for different and unique things to differentiate yourself and your business. And, and we kind of thrived on that that kind of differentiation and being a little different bird. And we already were, had, you know, kind of like, we're seeing that. So, yeah, and, and yes, I was sitting in a bar. Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> I, I was probably, hopefully, I was doing some sales or negotiation. <laughs> but... Um, I'm sure they go hand in hand. Uh, friends, uh, friends of mine, I was having a conversation with this gentleman. It was a business conversation. And he was a generation in between my father and our generation. So he was younger than my father, but that generation in between. Chris Wall was his name. 
great electrician, high tension wire electric company. And he said, I know he's knew he was working up and down the East Coast doing high tension wire stuff. So then he said, well, we're working over here in Bermuda and we're working in North Carolina and we're working in Texas. And I said, time out. I said, time out, Chris. <laughs> I, said, I said, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, well, I had these federal contracts all over these different places. And I go, really? So how do you find out about that? And he says, the CBD. And, and it's still today, all federal products from bullets to butter to construction <laughs> are bought through the CBD, wow. uh, which is all online now. But back then, it used to be this little yellow newspaper wow. that came out every day. And he says, I find out there. And it talks, they, all the construction, you know, for the United States government is done through there and maintenance and everything else. He says, you should get a copy. So I said, all right. I walked out of the bar and I said, you know, I'll do respect to Chris. <laughs> but if Chris can do this, <laughs> we can do this. So, uh, and no, I, I mean, he was a great mentor to me. But they had, and I went to the Cherry Hill Library the next day with a pocket of dimes. <laughs> and I saw a giant stack days. of CBDs. And right. I just stood at that copy machine, putting the dimes in, copy, copy this, copy this, copy this. You know, we were doing locally at some of the military bases, family housing. So everything was very repetitious. Yep. And my uncle and my brother figured I had to do a very, very, fast track forward assembly line process so we are doing these incredible jobs but every family housing across the United States is exactly the same in every military base like to spin you around spin you around and you would know what state you're in so we looked up a couple things and said like hey let's try this let's try this I walked in my father and uncle and said hey I want to go down and take a look at this job the exact same kind of job we've been doing here and in Oklahoma and they kind of looked at each other and they just started laughing I said <laughs> They just started laughing. And I said, well, what do you think? They said, hey, go ahead and try it. Yep. You know, I think I had maybe a $200 limit on my credit card. <laughs> I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any money. I just, I didn't know how to rent a car. You know, but it was, uh, and that's how we kind of started working around the country. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. It sounds like you're, from our past conversations today, your, your underlying theme of success is just go for it. See what happens. We'll fix it later, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Just move forward and go for it. And, and like I, your father I, said, and I credit, don't use the word can't. Yeah, I credit my brothers, my father, my uncle, and they, you know, I mean, for all this, all the stuff we throw up on the wall that seems so stupid at the time, or not stupid, but challenging. Somehow, somewhere, I was never one to sit there and go, build the bench and they will come. Right. You know, you just, that's not the way you grow business. Mm-hmm. No. That's just not the way you grow business. No, definitely not. So let me ask you this a little bit. So, one of the things that we want to have our audience learn from is family transitions, right? So a couple things, because you are unique, you were family transition and you sold your business. So we'll talk about both of those different areas because it's a great story. Tell me a little bit about some of the challenges, successes that you had when your father, your uncle passed the business down to you guys. What was what did that look like? Was it smooth transition? Was it kind of tough because there were so many people involved? Help me understand that so the audience can maybe learn a little bit from that transition from you guys. We had a couple dynamics go on. First of all, by the mid-80s, definitely in the maybe earlier 80s, by that time, we were virtually running the business. And the transition from my father and uncle to we basically bought them out through the late 80s, early 90s, and took the company under our wing totally. There's always rough transitions when you have that many people involved. But we, like I said, we had ground rules. And we'd get in the room at 4.30 every Tuesday afternoon, and we'd hash it out. And we got it very, very businesslike in many respects. 
but there wasn't that much leeway, and we'd scream and holler at each other. Mm-hmm. But what we always did is, after the meeting, we always went down to the local bar and had some cocktails and had something to eat and you know and eventually after we all became members of like like Tavistock then we would just meet at Tavistock and right. you know in the grill room and stuff and we would sit there and we would hash stuff out and pretty much the meeting be over and it would be social and everybody was civilized but stuff would happen right and things would get lost in translation <laughs> and you know and inevitably something would happen that Tuesday nights that would spark up sometime on Thursday or Friday or whatever. And, and you sit there and somebody say, well, well, you said you were going to do this. I said, or one of my brothers would say, like, no, I never said that. They said, and we had a rule. If we said it on Tuesday night, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't All count. Limits. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the funniest stories. And, and, and to everybody's credit, we go there and they go like, that was a Tuesday night. And they go like, they look at it and go like, all right, never mind. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Literally, that would happen all the time. That was Tuesday night. Oh, never mind. That's great. It, it yeah, was, it was no. fantastic. We were very fortunate. Yeah, that's pretty good because it is. It's tough. Family dynamics. You not only have just your media family members who are in the business and are working and have their different perspectives, you also have their spouses, right? And you go home, spouses may or may not have their ideas and maybe what's going on or maybe what's not fair. And, and it's, it's tough, right? Same thing on the balance, like on holidays or vacations and things like that with family members. Was it like no talking at all about the business? Were you always, how did you balance that? Because I'm sure there's, there's always going to, the, the business creeps into those conversations. You know, everybody has a different dynamic, for that and how how they work with their spouses you know I was very fortunate with my wife she understood that dynamic I think most of the spouses understood that dynamic that you know the the challenges of that kind of family business I don't recall any time and maybe I don't recall because I'm getting old but that it really became the spouses became a point of contention I think we're fortunate in that like again, I can't speak for for my brothers sure. and cousin and how that was. I'm sure there was some some background that sure. why does this go on? You know, with my wife, I just hold my hands up and say, "Hey, you know, I got enough problems to deal with." Right. So, yes, so, exactly. Yeah. No, that's great. Any advice for family-owned businesses that maybe are currently in a second generation, but maybe are have not received that transition yet to that generation say here's what you should be thinking about here's you know some of these ground rules that they should be doing that they can kind of learn from it's interesting first of all as you grow there's certain ways that you have to run a business okay and like I said when you're going headlong into growth 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 you've got to have process 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 you know and I had you know a few brothers with Fred and Bill and and some of them that are very process driven very organizational it's not my ballywick but I was always fortunate enough to whether we were hiring people or working with you know what different people are doing that they put those processes in place you must I don't care how headstrong you want to go into into the whole process you have to have process yeah 
you gotta just you know McDonald's makes a burger a certain way, yep. you know, and, and right it, every time. there's discipline that happens. And when you put that in, and everybody decides strategically, this is the process. Here's how it works. Here's how it works. You get away from those kind of issues. Yep. So you take them off the table. So it's not a different way all the time. So you're not fighting with your partner or thing about this. Hey, we all decide this is the process. Let it work. And obviously, you tweak as you go. Sure. But I mean, that's probably one of the big things you need to keep in mind. Yeah, that's right. It sounds like. Everyone understood everybody had their own lane to run. And this was your unique ability. Your unique ability is a rainmaker, right? Usually rainmakers, the unique ability is not processes and detail oriented. It's let's go make rain and everybody else kind of clean up behind me, you know, and that's, and it seemed like that was a good <laughs> I'm sure good process. I'm sure there's a lot of people that agree with that. But <laughs> <laughs> right? try not to leave too much carnage behind me. <laughs> but that's the way it works, right? I bet you if you asked your brothers who were process oriented, they had no desire to go out and make rain, right? It's the same thing, right? You, you understand your responsibilities and we have a terminology we use here in the office is unique ability what's your unique ability and stay in that lane and if it's if you're tasked to do something else find someone else who's that unique ability for setting up processes just don't use it as an excuse exactly (laughs) good point yeah good point now did you guys run with as you started to grow the business was there like an underlying theme or mission or vision that you kind of rallied around that used to grow the business and bring other you know team members on outside the family business whether you call it a vision or a mission i think we had a pretty good focus like i said we were all about you know quality and innovation customer service you know customers for life and things along those lines. And we took a look at, we were very growth oriented. We understood that. We knew we had that process as, as we grew. And we were um, able to, to basically drive our stuff that way. The thing was to grow. The thing was also to differentiate ourselves from a regular plumbing, heating, cooling contractor. Take and that's what drove us into the building business. That's what drove us into the defense contracting business. That differentiation. We also think that we always, from day one, as far back as I can remember, that we said we would always take and build the business so it looked like a business that you could sell. Never dreaming, ever dreaming that we would ever sell the business. But we said that it should look like a bona fide asset. So we didn't take money and just you know, spend it frivolously on boats and cars and things like that. We plowed out all our dollars back into the business. We did also made decisions to make it so we have a recurring revenue. We have a stream that looks like a real business, not transactional. Because I saw a lot of my peers and partners build giant buildings and you build one giant building and then you build two giant buildings. Right. At the end of the day, all you did is build a couple giant buildings right. and you made a lot of money. If you have a lot of partners, that's not a good model. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have your one-off and you can make a lot of, lot of money as you go, as opposed to the, the way we had built our business to have that ongoing recurring revenue, that's a different model. Sure. That's something that we didn't have. So from a standpoint of what our company was going to look like, it was going to look like a company that was growth-oriented, that was a growing balance sheet asset. Got it. Got it. The differentiator, you said you wanted to have, that was your differentiator in the industry. What would you kind of narrow that down to? What would you say that differentiator was for Hutchison? Well, well, it was a number of things. During the first generation, a part of the first sale, you know, we built a, a significant plumbing, heating, cooling business as the air conditioning grew inside the greater regional area. So okay. we were, you know, a few hundred people or a couple hundred people or so. We also were building a totally different 
building business. Mm-hmm. You know, we ended up, by the time we got through all the doing the defense contracting, you know, in every state in the United States, we had a full team of project managers. We were building buildings. We built 10-story control builder, you know, out at McGuire Air Force Base. You know, we were building real, wow. real, 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 real stuff. Yeah, wow. So that was a differentiator between us and your typical plumbing, heating, coaling sure. company. So we were, we were now a building company. Full service, sure. Full service. After we sold the first time, and we came back, and all the defense contracting across the country was basically done away with and devastated. We came back, and we decided we're not going to get in the airplane again. We're going to build a regional business that is building market share, discernible, quantifiable market share in the greater Delaware Valley. And what we did, the differentiation there, is we became probably one of the largest energy services companies. So we weren't just plumbing, heating, and cooling. We were also energy services. There were high-efficiency lighting, you know, high-efficiency air conditioning, high-efficiency water, high-efficiency, you name it. Yep. And that's where we worked you know, with all the programs in the state so we, for the BPU and stuff. So you went from nationally, basically, doing really well there, and you sold the business after you went nationally, or you sold the business and... While you were under still that contract, then you, you took it national. No, we were a national contractor for the defense for the Got defense it. business for the United States you know, government. And, and what made you sell the first that first time? So when they sold that business was all flourishing. When we got bought by Delmarva Power Connective, the Got utility it. company, they didn't want that business. Mm. They paid for it. Got it. <laughs> you know, nice guys. Yep. But they wanted the local residential and commercial HVAC business and plumbing business. So that was a, a failed adventure on their part, shall we say. <laughs> so when we got the company back two and a half years later, everything that was done nationally, they had shut all that down. So And my project managers had left and gone elsewhere sure, and things sure. along those lines. Yeah. So when we decided to you know, rebuild Hutchinson, that's kind of, we went the, the regional, I mean, the local route. Sure. And we did pretty good with that. Yeah, yeah, and that's great. So talk to me, lead me up to that whole process now your final sale so you transition family business you sold the business got it back now you're building up to the final transition final sale right what was your thought process was it something that you had the vision that we're going to build up to a certain level and sell it did it just kind of happen naturally how did that go about and how was the conversation with you all your other you know brothers and family members you know going That's into a that pretty big loaded question yeah it is um, it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of info <laughs> because that was the last 20 years of, of my life actually if you think sure. about it like I said, we got the company back. We we're going to stay local. We were going to not rely on public work. We we're going to rely on, and this is a fascinating concept. We only wanted to work for people that wanted us to work for them. How about that? How about that? <laughs> Sounds like an enjoyable day. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, that's where our mantra, customers for life, we come from. So when somebody came along and said, hey, boss, they want us to go up to you know, New York. I said, no, we're not going to New York. If we can't take care of them at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, we're not going to go there. So, and that is, you know, pretty much was the foundation of coming back. It was a a mess when we got the company back and it was just hemorrhaging cash. And and we just had to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Mm -hmm. But we knew how to do it. Sure. You know, we went to, we did have the advantage of having the first buyout is we ended up being partners with about 22 other companies. So other entrepreneurs like, you know, my brothers and myself, Mm -hmm. and we were able to, you know, 
learn from them. Yeah. So that little that little college that we right. went through for two and a half years, you know, it, you know, we were very fortunate to get the company back after having sold it. And I won't be, I won't lie about it. It was you know, a very very lucky economics, if you will. Yep. So when we came back and rebuilt it along the same lines, we kind of went commercially one way, went residentially the other way, and we did energy services on both those sides. I mean, we were one of the largest residential energy services companies in the state of New Jersey. And we certainly were similarly on the commercial side. By building that whole thing up, I don't think we ever stopped to think we were going to sell it per se, but we were always opportunists. That's how we sold it the first time. Because we sell, we never sell it. But when somebody comes along and says, hey, we want to buy it for this. Everybody looks at each other and goes like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's rethink it. Let's rethink this. So similarly, in the next transition, obviously my runway and our runway is getting shorter and shorter as you age and things. So and how do you get all that equity out of that picture? And it's great to say that oh, I'll, I'll work every day and, you know, and I'll do all this. You know, but by the same token, people say, well, don't you really miss it? And quite frankly, I did my time. Sure. I did my time. So I'm not sure everybody feels exactly the same way. But, you know, when you have that opportunity to come along, and it's a product of our market cycle, right? You know, our market cycle, you know, a year ago is even a little different than it is today. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, but it is, when you're looking at that and you take a look at what, you know, God bless us that you and your family were able to do, you and your partners, when I talk about my partners, the people that we hire that work for us, I can't thank him anymore because we had some of the great we got we approached 300 people you know at the end there and it's 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 fascinating to see that what a team like that can do yeah it's amazing you guys, you guys did a great job on it's, that it's just fascinating we, we were the luckiest people in the world yep. to have the employees we had yeah so I always like to look backwards in perspective so if you were sitting here today current Ed talking to your younger Ed maybe 30 years old what advice would you give them? Starting over again, differently, better, same. Starting over. I don't know. I'd say don't be afraid to grow, number one. Mm-hmm. And the old Ed and team, you know, weren't always the smartest people in the world. or the brightest light bulbs, but we weren't afraid to get off our ass and give it a shot. Yep. So you take that, you got to grow, you got to have process, and certainly for 24-year-old Ed or anybody else, eventually I figured out the 24-hour rule. And the 24-hour rule is like, don't do anything when you get pissed off (laughs) for 24 hours. (laughs) Keep your mouth shut and let it take its course. And then come back and address it the next day. That's... That's good advice. I think my... And I'll tell you what, my people still call me up. Where I'll get a text from one of my guys. They'll say like, hey, what do you know about blank? And I'll go like, what do you think? And they'll say... Oh, that's right. 24-hour rule. Never mind. So it's uh, the young Ed wasn't very good at that. You know what, though? That comes from experience of someone like yourself letting the younger generation know. Because maybe if your father or uncle told you that, maybe that would have helped that cycle a little bit. Maybe, right? Yeah. Maybe. I probably wouldn't have listened. Yeah. Maybe a little bit <laughs> strong for some others, right? But I see that in a lot of the younger generation where they're just quick to react. They don't have that. You know, someone say 24-hour rule. That's a that's a good rule of follow yeah. for everyone. It's smart. I save you a lot of hassle. I should implement that myself sometimes, yeah. right? So enjoying retirement now, what does retirement look like? It's good. 
It's good. You know, you and I go back many, many years. Yes. You know, and you know that I'm, I'm never sitting still too long. No. But I am easily just as busy in alleged retirement, which I'm, I haven't become accustomed to that word yet but I am my wife is slaves but I'm just this busy uh, doing all kinds of different stuff yeah you're involved in some community some communities and charities and things like that and talk about that for a few minutes because I you know what you did while you were working was tremendous and I'm sure now with a different perspective or a different viewpoint is even better right it is. I have, you know, I mean, I have a number of boards I sit on. I have other people that I chat with. I have peers that, you know, we still trade stories and trade anecdotes, things like this and, and all. I'm able to focus a little more on some of the stuff to get, you know, I've been a big, big YMCA guy for a long, long time, you know, many, many years ago. And, and as much as I keep trying to get away from the why, they keep dragging me back. So, <laughs> but one, it sounds um, like an organization the Italians belong to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also heavily involved with the Joseph Funny Camden, yeah. which we were, you know, we have been, uh, without getting deep into it, you know, we're focused on educating kids in Camden. And I got plenty of time to be a little more focused on that, which is good because it's still fledgling in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm involved with the Conference Association of Philadelphia, oh. you know, on the gap, on the executive committee. How about, yeah, how about that? So <laughs> I get to see, so it, which is nice. It's a nice, different element of things still involved with some insurance deals and some other fun stuff great any last parting words for our listeners anything that you would love to share with them that you think you may have missed that they should you know just think about in someone in your position understand what your partners bring to the table understand what your family brings to the table understand that there's other people outside we may not have done enough of that relying on outside people and we could have like maybe had a few hurdles that the hurdles weren't as high but by the same token they're not excuses plow forward i would say sales solves all evils right. <laughs> top, <laughs> so, line, yep. top line but you gotta be smart about it but you surround yourself with the right people yeah you know you're not the brightest bulb you know in the bunch yep. no matter what you think so just be confident about what you're doing yep Excellent. Be confident about your due. Excellent. Well, Ed, thank you. This has been great learning experience. And I love to, I love hearing stories and your stories yeah. is a great success only because we're friends. And then just because I know Hutchison is just a household name and it's a commercial name. And my dad would always say, make sure you call Hutchison. That's, he would always tell me that. So we're I live lucky. by that rule today our, still. Our family is very lucky to have a great, great following. Yep. I appreciate that. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. All right, brother. Thank you for listening to The Entrepreneur's Journey, hosted by Michael Pelosi, president of HFM Investment Advisors, LLC. To learn more and to subscribe to the show, head on over to hfmadvisors.com. HFM Investment Advisors, LLC is a registered investment advisor. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.